0: Episode 73 from Postpartum to Powerful with Nicole Obenshine. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which helped transform my life with you. So you can live... Life Amplify. I found a great quote from Sunny Dawn Johnston who says, We all have a story. The difference is, do you use your story to empower yourself or do you use your story to keep yourself a victim? The question itself empowers you to change your life. And I love that quote, but I would take it a step further because this podcast at the end of the day is about living your purpose. And I think the true beauty of being in our purpose is taking the life lessons, overcoming the struggles that we've had to endure in our lifetime and using it in service of others to add value to other people's lives to help other people solve problems so the other question I would ask is once you're using your story to empower yourself can you use it to help empower others. Our guest today is doing that in a huge way, and I'm so happy to have her on the podcast and brag about her because she is one of my graduated clients. Nicole Obenshine is a coach, speaker, author, and founder of Postpartum to Powerful, an organization to support mothers and birth parents with postpartum depression and create resources for the maternal community. As she's going to explain to us today, after reaching out for help after the birth of her son, she decided. decided. Decided to take what she learned and help other moms who suffer in similar situations. This is gonna be a really great conversation today, very educational. Whether you are a mother who's experienced PMADs, whether you are the partner of somebody who has gone through it. Nicole's gonna talk to us about the science and research behind postpartum mood and anxiety disorder. She's gonna tell us how she was able to take a real life situation after the birth of her son and turn it into a business that is helping others. Other women. We're going to discuss today why the self talk in your head isn't true and what you need to be able to do to tone down that negative inner critic. She's going to tell us how it's okay to reach out and ask for help and how it's really necessary, especially when you feel overwhelmed and don't know what it is you're dealing with. She'll give us three steps you can take right now to start moving forward in a new direction in your life. And she's going to talk about the importance of having support, whether it be a coach. Therapist or other professional. If you love the podcast and it's serving you, please screenshot this, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. Be sure to tag us both. You can find Nicole at Postpartum Powerful, and you can find me at CSC dan mason this is a super inspiring half hour conversation with one of my graduated clients and i hope it discovers you to step into your purpose and serve others as we talk with coach and motivational speaker nicole obenshine Nicole, welcome to Life Amplified.
1: Thank you so, so much for having me. This is really a full circle moment.
0: You know, it's always exciting anytime I talk to a guest on the podcast, but it's always really special when it's somebody who was a client, who has done the work and is out spreading their message and doing big things in the world. So I'm so proud of you and so honored to have you here today. Thank you. You know, one of the things we're going to talk about today is your cause. People can find you on Instagram postpartum to powerful. And postpartum depression, you know, I tried to do some research before we jumped here into the interview. And the first thing that jumped out at me, there was a statistic at the National Institute of Health that said it affects between 15 and 85 percent of mothers. And I I did a double take. I've never seen a spread that big on any clinical research study. So, (laughs) Is it something that we just haven't really invested the research or the resources to learn more about when it comes to postpartum depression? Or is it just something that's going really underreported because a lot of women don't like to talk about it?
1: Yeah, well, I think that's really the key is there's so much discrepancy because we know it affects about one in seven women. But do they actually seek help? So really, the statistics that I've seen from Postpartum Support International, which is the organization that I'm, you know, collaborating with in many aspects, it's one in seven, but realistically, it's probably closer to one in five or even one in three in certain cases, because it's also, you know, not just depression, but a whole spectrum of mood disorders and anxiety disorders. So it really is uh, being looked at now more closely on all the levels that moms can be affected. The statistics, yes, are are definitely ever changing. I've seen one that only 15% get actual treatment. So uh, that could be, you know, really where that 15% comes in. 40% go undiagnosed. It's really, the the statistics are really scary. We know it's the number one complication of pregnancy. It's prevalent in most mom's lives once they have their children and it can maybe not happen to you after your first, second, third baby. But you know, that last one, if you go for four, you can experience it. Um, it really doesn't discriminate in any sense, right? You can be young, old, rich, poor, black, white, any socioeconomic class, any color, any religion, any sexual orientation, it can happen to you.
0: One of the things, and the last thing I want to come across as doing today is trying to mansplain anything to my audience about something <laughs> that I'll never experience. So I'm uh, approaching this as somebody who wants to learn as well. But one of the things that I've seen, and I know from just female friends who've had children, is it's pretty typical in those first couple weeks after giving birth, as the hormones are flowing fluctuating to experience what's known as baby blues. I've seen that term a lot. What is the difference between just the regular baby blues after giving birth versus when we cross over to postpartum depression? How do we even know what that line is?
1: Anything after two weeks is not the baby blues. That's really, again, what the experts say is the cutoff so you can have baby blues and then if it's prolonged far past those two weeks then definitely seek help additionally it could be you could have a, a great two weeks i had a an amazing 10 days after my birth and uh, all of a sudden a switch flipped on day 10 and you know that's when my visions and intrusive thoughts and anxiety started happening but it can happen, they say the postpartum period is up to one year post birth. Um, But I know moms that have had it, you know, not even start until nine months. You know, there's a lot of different factors involved and every situation is different the blues like you said it's it's very common the blues i think almost 90 percent of moms have uh the blues and that like you said it's the hormones it's the event that you just went through and postpartum mood and anxiety disorders are well beyond just the blues
0: you talked about your experience you were a first-time mom You have a beautiful baby boy, and I can only imagine the excitement of going through that experience, but you also threw around a couple interesting words where you were talking about visions and some other stuff. So can you fill us in on what your experience was and how tough things became for you when you were in the throes of postpartum?
1: I was diagnosed with what's called postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD, and that is on the spectrum of postpartum of anxiety like i said it's the spectrum now of you know depression and anxiety disorders and i had no idea of any of this before it happened to me but what was really great about my specific situation is two things i always mention is i spoke up the second i started feeling like this and i had a great support team so i had hired doulas They are basically emotional, educational, and just like empowering support for you during pregnancy and birth. Um, Mm -hmm. They also do some some stuff in postpartum, like they basically come take care of you uh, if you don't have that support system. But they played a crucial role because they are the ones who screened me for any PMADs. You know, and when you say PMAD, of,
0: what is what is that?
1: That's a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. So that's the full spectrum. Okay. Not just postpartum depression, but anything that, that it can occur. So they screened me about three days before these thoughts and visions started happening. And I passed with flying colors. And that's how quickly it can come on. But. They were a really good resource once I started feel like feeling this way and having the anxiety to immediately validate that I wasn't crazy, I wasn't going to snap, I wasn't going to end up on the news that I hurt my baby. And I was able to actually be open about what I was feeling with them because I knew they were on my side. What happened was uh, my husband ran out for Chinese food on a Friday night and I... Was just sitting on the couch, and I all of a sudden got this vision of basically me with a knife and Dylan being stabbed. Dylan is my son; he uh, he was ten days old at the time, so it, you can um, it, imagine the the fear and the total debilitating anxiety that over took me when I had that vision like how could I possibly think that I immediately called my husband and said I don't care if you have food get back here called my mom called my doulas anyone who could explain to me why I you know would be having this crazy thought and they persisted so then it was Dylan ending up in the wash machine Dylan being, you know, dropped on his head. Basically, any scary scenario you can think of was very, very real in my mind. Now I know they're called intrusive thoughts, and about 91% of moms experience them in some form or another. And it could be as, as little as, you know, just being afraid of you know, dropping your baby, or it could be checking on them to make sure they're breathing while they're sleeping. And it can be as intense as what I had, where you have visions of them really being harmed or even harming yourself. And that uh what happened with my story is it progressed to visions of me hurting myself, walking into traffic or hanging from a ceiling fan? It gets really dark. And as a new mom, you're so overwhelmed in every aspect, this just adds a whole different level of fear to your
0: life. Without dwelling on this, first of all, it's amazing that you have the vulnerability to share this with my listeners. And I truly thank you for your honesty and, and being completely real. You mentioned as part of the visions, it progressed where you were thinking you were having visions of hurting yourself. When you were talking about the visions of your son being hurt, were those visions that you had snapped and done it or just fear that somebody else had done it like what was going on there
1: it was kind of a mix because like i said i had various ones um so they started with you know like i said i was holding the knife and i wouldn't touch knives for 3 months i still get nervous around knives but it was then you know we were in public and someone would come and snatch him like it was really every threat possible but that was a huge fear of mine, which was, am I going to snap at any moment and do something to him, do something to myself? You know, really, you hear on the media and on the news, all these wild stories, but you don't hear the reasoning why and what they were actually diagnosed with. You just hear this encompassing term of postpartum depression, which is why it's really important to talk about the spectrum It's because those moms who end up on the news, they're in a whole different world. They are experienced a psychotic episode and they don't know whether the sky is blue or red. And they truly believe that what they're doing is, is helping or saving themselves or saving their children. So when you're a mom with OCD that has these crazy visions, you immediately go to, oh my gosh, is that gonna be me on the news? And that's why a lot of moms don't speak up and say anything. But there's a huge difference between being fearful and repulsed and anxious about the thoughts and not feeling like there's anything wrong with them. Right. There's mm, a huge yeah. a huge difference there. So if someone would have just educated me on the fact that. You can have these thoughts and as long as you're terrified of them, you're not going to do anything that could have been really helpful to know before I had them. But, you know, what my doctors and my therapist and my doulas really helped me was just constantly validating that you're not going to do anything. We don't think you're a threat to anyone. But the thoughts just consume you to the point where, and again, this is the OCD part, the obsession of the thoughts. And then the compulsions that follow is I refuse to be alone, either by myself or with the baby for about four months. Mm. Um, I was always basically being watched because for me, that was how I could make sure everyone was safe.
0: I can't imagine going through what you went through. Was there a level of self-judgment that you had for yourself? Or did you have the presence of mind with the support that you had that you could find? Obviously, you can find compassion for what you went through now. But when you're in it, how do you keep your own self-talk in check? That I am a good mother, that I am loving, that I am worthy of having children, that I am a source of love. How Um, How do you separate without just falling down the rabbit hole of... Uh, of judging and blaming yourself and making yourself wrong?
1: I really don't think that it's possible for you to self-talk yourself out of postpartum sure. uh, any kind when you're in the thick of it. I mean, I will tell you I had feelings of hopelessness and this is never going to get better. And my mom, she was amazing and said, you know, no, you will, you will we'll figure this out. You know, I had the support of my husband, again, my therapist and i was resistant to go on any medication because i had previous experience with mindfulness practices and meditation and i was certified in reiki and that all helped me so much during my pregnancy and even during you know labor that i was like well why wouldn't it help me in in this facet of motherhood but Mm. what you experience the trauma that your body goes through and and the hormones and i say trauma just in a very loose sense because of you know the act of giving birth right there we obviously know there's traumatic births and things that are are definitely more severe but any birth whether it's an easy one or not can be traumatizing to your body so after going through that You know, there's just so much going on within yourself internally that you need the extra help. You know, you need that balance to be get back into your own body. Basically, you need those chemicals that the hormones produce to regulate. And as much as I'm such an avid meditator, and mindfulness advocate, it was something that I couldn't get through by myself. And that's a really important factor too for moms to know is that you don't have to be alone in this process. You can can heal and you can get treatment and you can get better as long as you you know, are open about how you're feeling.
0: Does previous mental health history inform whether you're more susceptible to postpartum? If you're somebody who had anxiety issues or depression issues before your pregnancy, does it exasperate it during the pregnancy or postpartum, or is there no correlation?
1: There's definitely risk factors involved, and this was another thing that my therapist really helped me understand. I'm a pretty type A personality. I do You have a history of anxiety, you know, so it it definitely the signs were on the wall once I started, you know, actually educating myself about it. And again, through my therapist, she she basically explained why and what happened. So, yeah, I definitely think there's a correlation between history of of mental illness and the, the susceptibility to having it, you know, once you have a baby. But that doesn't always mean it's a guarantee.
0: I want to talk about your journey into taking your experience now and becoming a speaker and an advocate and a coach for mothers in just a moment. But there's one other thing I wanted to ask you. A friend and co-worker of mine, his wife gave birth to their first child she had been off of her antidepressants during the pregnancy and she went into postpartum afterwards and i remember him walking into my office saying having a baby is the worst thing that's happened to us this is going to destroy my marriage like he literally had no coping strategy to deal with her postpartum for the partner of somebody who is going through this what do they need to know what are the signs that they should look for And how can they just be a best supportive partner to somebody who is in the throes of postpartum?
1: So one thing I want to touch on before I answer that is the fact that she went off of her antidepressants during pregnancy is a really big misconception right now. And I learned this because we are in discussion about trying for a second and You know, I immediately went to my doctor and said, hey, I'm doing really well on this medication. I don't want to have to get off and then have, you know, another baby and this happen again. Like, what is the what is the path here? Also, I just went to a conference with Postpartum Support International where we had about a three hour discussion on medications for this reason. And most medications out there are safe, to stay on during pregnancy and obviously right after with postpartum. So again, even myself, who's been in the thick of this now for almost two years, am just learning that. So there really is solutions. I think, you know, it's just about finding the right medication. And there are obviously ones that aren't safe, but most of them nowadays are, um, which is really promising so that, you know, going into your second, third, fourth pregnancy, that there's options and that you don't have to suffer because also the effects of your untreated illness on your new baby or the baby that you're growing can be even worse than some of the effects of the medication. Interesting. So, but for the, the spouse and, and the partner, honestly, just being aware and, and understanding that, You know, you guys have to go through this together because both people in in the relationship can go through a lot of different emotional changes once, you know, a baby comes into the world. And it is something that every situation can be different, you know, depending on the lifestyle and how the baby is, and it could definitely turn the world upside down. But just knowing that it's temporary, and once you get through those first, you know, three to six months, things get a lot easier in terms of taking care of the baby in terms of sleeping, um, because sleep is huge. And I would definitely say to any partner, if you see something is not right, just speak up. You know, try to get help, enlist anyone, any support you can. There are so many resources that are out there, even if they're not widely known. Again, Postpartum Support International has a warm line that you can call and be connected with resources in your area. And they support families as well. So it's not just all about the mom. You know, it really does take a village and there's support for that village as well.
0: Amazing advice. And again, just want to honor you for so beautifully and vulnerably sharing these parts of yourself. It's interesting because I think suicidal ideation for just people across the board is so much more common than we'd like to talk about. You know, I see it come up with clients a lot. And there's a lot of people who've reached out to me and they, who even listen to the podcast and they have these thoughts of, you know, driving over the bridge and what would happen if I just drive my car off the road. But being able to talk Not just about that, which is uncomfortable enough, but also just share your experience as a mother and the the thoughts and the fears and the visions you're having about your child. Like I said, that just takes such a tremendous amount of courage. And I guess that brings me to the next part of this, which was at what point did you decide that you wanted to be a force and a change maker out in the world, raising awareness for this issue and also being able to coach moms through the experience?
1: As soon as I recovered... Knew I wanted to help in some facet. It kind of came out initially as helping parents be mindful. I really wanted to, one, keep myself accountable for all the practices that I said I was going to teach my son and that I was going to uphold, you know, throughout my entire pregnancy. And then, you know, the curveball came. So that's really where it started. And as I did small workshops and and just started in that then I saw there was such a deeper need for the support of moms I saw friends of mine that I never would have thought had experienced a similar story due to their you know social media and just never being open with it they were actually confiding in me now saying that it had been years that they have been struggling I had only shared parts of my story, definitely not the super vulnerable parts like I can now at that point, but the conversations just started happening. So after a few months of doing that and, and really just understanding the greater need for mom support versus, you know, trying to be these great parents for your kids. I enlisted in a uh, superb coach. If I do say much so, I really, I really got clear on how can I really help help moms instead of just this idea of mindful parenting because that's a component of it, but it's definitely not the foundational need. And even through that, I think most of our time working together, I had this idea of helping every mom just feel really empowered. And there was a lot of insecurity with that because I only have one son and he was only, you know, 12 to 18 months during the time we were working together. And he was a relatively amazing baby. So how could I ever empathize with moms with three or, or two and, you know, not not great. Babies, in the sense of sleeping and eating and all the fun stuff that happened. And really, I think it was a pivotal moment that just said, Hey, own your story. And that's where the help can be impactful. And at that point, my son was about 18 months old. So it had been far enough to where I really, I fully recovered in the sense of what I. Could recover um, and had been trying to help in a long term fashion. So it was really like, okay, I'm ready to share my story and in detail. And when I did, that's when even more people reached out, even more people could relate and honored their journeys in that same sense because I had shared mine. So it was really healing for me. I think it added a whole different level of healing that I didn't even know was possible for me and just opened a lot of doors and a lot of resources and a lot of everything um, that has guided me to being able to help other moms, to be able to sit here and share my story, knowing that it's not uncommon to have. I think I would be more resistant to sharing if I knew I was someone who had these thoughts and no one could understand them. But I feel like most moms can sit where I'm sitting and tell you very similar things that they've went through, but that's not known. And that's the problem is we need to start having this conversation. We need to bring a light to it because The moms that do end up on the news, that stuff can be prevented. The moms that do hurt themselves, the moms that do hurt their babies can be prevented because even if you have something as severe as postpartum psychosis, it is treatable. You can Mm. get better. And that's something that we need to scream from the rooftop. Because if, like you said, partners and spouses and doctors and providers and and people on the street are educated about these disorders, then moms won't be afraid to speak up. Moms won't be afraid to seek help and get better and then be the best moms for their babies.
0: Two things that jump out at me about what you're sharing. Number one, that's really the hero's journey that we talk about, overcoming the things in your life that have been an obstacle and then being of service to other people. Even for me, I think I felt so unworthy in the beginning of speaking up because I think my central inner monologue was, well, who am I to help? Like, who am I? I'm just some schmuck that played pop songs on the radio for 15 years. Was there any part of you back in the beginning when, especially we zeroed in on this idea of serving moms with postpartum and becoming an advocate and coach there, was there any part of you that struggled with, well, who am I? I I don't have a mental health degree or somehow I'm not enough or I'm not healed enough or I only have... One kid and other moms have three. What got in the way for you mentally? Because I think that there's somebody out there today who has a gift within them, a story they want to share, and they haven't brought it forward because they're telling themselves the same lies that we did.
1: That definitely was the case, that insecurity, that inner monologue prior to finding this path. Once I, I committed to, to sharing my postpartum story and that that was the I don't want to say audience, but that was the the target of healing that I wanted to do. I didn't feel that way anymore, which was amazing. And and it was this moment of clarity. But before that, yes, a hundred percent I had a lot of insecurity around, well, who am I to to speak about helping moms? You know, I'm only a mom of one and there was a a tiny bit of okay, should I go back to school and become a therapist? But I think that we there are therapists out there. There's something different in what I want to share and what I want to do. And I don't think me being a therapist would really create the impact and the force of change that I want to do. But being a survivor and my story mm. as my credential and, and looking through that lens, really, just like I said, was so clear that that was the role. And I do... I'm in the process of getting some certifications on different healing modalities because, again, I I was a certified Reiki practitioner during this time. I most recently got my Reiki master, um, and now I'm doing different certifications more in the way the mind works. At one point, it definitely was contemplated, but I feel like, again, and I think my doula actually reminded me of this, that my story is my credential, Yeah. You know, and and that's what I think, you know, to your point, too, is we all have a story. And if we can step in and own it and share it, that's when the connectedness comes that other people are just like us. You know, we're all people and we're all going through the same bullshit in one way or another.
0: But helping others heal furthers our healing is one of the one of the big messages that I believe you you deepen your own healing when you're in service of other people. And that's a big lesson. And the second big thing that you hit on is everybody's looking for another degree or certification. And you have life cred, you know, I don't think that there is anything more valuable than having life experience and life cred and being able to speak to somebody who is straight up going through it right now which you've been doing in an incredible way. So I guess Nicole one of the things I'd like to wrap up with this week for the person out there who's gone through some experience. They've survived corporate America. They have overcome postpartum somehow they're you know that that there's something in their life that they've figured out and they want to help others but they don't feel like they're ready for it. What would be maybe three action steps you could give somebody that would get them started, that would help them turn their message into a movement of their own.
1: One, invest in yourself, right? Uh Don't be afraid to... Really invest in doing the inner work. And most of the time, we can't do that alone. Uh, We need that guidance from someone who's been through it, i.e. me and you.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) uh, And then, you know, don't be afraid to just start and then pivot as you go. It's really important. Like I said, I started with mindful parenting and I got to this point. But because I just started doing it, I found that journey. I wasn't trying to figure it out. And then start going, right? I started going and then I figured it out. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back is we're afraid to do because it's not perfect. And I'll tell you, I'm still evolving and I'm still learning and I'm still pivoting as I find what is needed out there more and more in the paternal uh, perinatal mental health field. And then lastly, I would just say also practice looking at at things through a different lens, looking at things the way other people look through them and not the way your childhood conditioning has led you to look through them. Because once you do that, you find answers and you find your path that can, can really lead you on on being purposeful and not just playing small, because mm. that's what we we're told we could only be as we were growing up.
0: Amazing. You know, you are a living example of everything that you just shared with us with those three action steps. I mean, I think back to when you and I first connected and you were terrified to invest in yourself, number one, but you did it and you stepped up and you did the work and you got the clarity. And that's one of the big things I wanted to reinforce from your message is so many people think that they need to be clear on what they're doing before they begin, but it's really only acting with courage that leads people to clarity which you've done and looking in a relatively short amount of time how far you've come you are now a panel an expert panelist at conventions uh you are hosting your own events you are coaching clients and you're writing book proposals that you're sending out did any of that feel like it was something that would that could be on the horizon for you six months to a year ago?
1: I definitely had the dreams about it. And, you know, it was always like, well, maybe in five years, once I figure everything out, you know, that could happen. But what has happened was, like you said, within six months, now all these different doors are opening. And it seems like every time I say yes to myself, and, you know, invest a little bit more or take an action step that you know, maybe I was a little bit fearful of as soon as I do that doors open and different opportunities come up and people are introduced in my life that can help me effectuate this change. So, you know, just say yes to yourself. And that's what I try to tell all my moms that like, it's really hard for them to like, commit to themselves and do anything for themselves because they're new moms, they want to do everything for their babies. But The second you say yes to yourself, that's when things start to look better.
0: Nicole, an amazing conversation today. So proud of you. I always love bragging about my graduated clients and sharing all the amazing things that they're doing in the world. So much love to you and all the best in the future. People can find you on Instagram at postpartum to powerful. Is there any other way that they can reach out to you?
1: Yeah, so I'm also on Facebook also Postpartum to Powerful. And you can visit my website that has basically everything I'm involved in. And that is postpartum2powerful.org. org.
0: right, my friend, awesome conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. One of the things that keeps people stuck in the cycle of indecision, procrastination, inaction, is they often say they don't know where to begin. And one of the things that I hope comes through in this interview is that when Nicole was starting her coaching journey with me, she had her hand in about three different things trying to serve mothers. She didn't really have clarity on who her audience was, but it was by getting started and just showing up to serve that she found the answers. You know, remember. Me becoming a career and life change coach wasn't something I originally set out to do. It was only when I started writing content for the Huffington Post and noticed that the career-oriented content I was writing was generating the most feedback and the most emails that I was able to get absolutely clear on who it was that I wanted to serve in my lifetime. So really getting that support to help you find clarity and just take those small, grounded action steps, I think it is so So, so powerful. And the other point that I wanted to make is Nicole is proof positive how quickly you can start moving forward and making an income helping other people. You know, Nicole and I worked together for three months and in that time, she made more money in 12 weeks as a coach than she had made in the previous 12 months doing it on her own. So having that coaching and support in your corner is everything. And if you're looking for some extra support, this is what I do as your coach and mentor. Help you get 100% clear on your purpose. Help you make that transition away from a soul-sucking job and ultimately bring your purpose to life. You can get more info on my August VIP coaching programs by going to my website at creativesoulcoaching.net If you're loving the interview today, Please let Nicole and I know you're listening. You can screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. Nicole can be found at Postpartum to Powerful. You can find me at CSC, Dan Mason. While we're talking about people sharing the podcast with their friends, I want to acknowledge our listener of the week, who is she.shines.authentically on Instagram. She recently shared my episode with Stefan Lovegrove, talking about how to improve your relationship for money. She said, I am rewriting my relationship with money as we speak thank you so much Dr. Love Grove and Dan Mason for the episode today and I'm so happy to know that the podcast is serving you I would love to shout you out you can find me on Instagram you can always join the private Facebook community our Life Amplified Power Tribe on Facebook we have a link to that in the show notes or if you want to shout out here on the podcast just leave those 5 star reviews for us up on Apple which helps us with the algorithm as always it is my deepest honor and privilege to serve you and don't forget turn down the volume on your negativity turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified i'll talk to you next week